What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the High Performance Agents Podcast. My name is Taj Howell. I'm an IFBB pro. I'm a peak performance expert. I'm a real estate investor, and I've helped countless agents get in the best shape of their lives, elevate their mindsets to never before seen levels, and ultimately increase their GCI production and performance overall. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Okay, today we have a very special speaker, very special guest someone who I consider a very dear friend of mine and someone who, you know, has some serious stats to back him up. This is Mr. Daryl Hanna. Uh, Daryl Hanna has, is responsible himself for over $800 million in real estate sales. He leads one of the top five teams in all of Las Vegas. He sold over 2000 homes over the course of his career and he's bought, purchased, renovated and flipped over 70 homes all right, this is Daryl Hanna, and he's here to talk a little bit about inventory. Daryl Hanna, say hi to everybody. Continue. Hey, everybody. What's up, Taj? What's up, man? <laughs> good to have you on board. Yeah, good to be here. Um, you know, I, I, want, I, I was really looking forward to this for the last few weeks because uh, inventory is such a huge topic across the nation, uh, not, not just here in Las Vegas, but across the nation. So I thought there's nothing better to talk about, really, at this point in time. Uh, right. to all of your uh, fellow agents. So, um, you know, the, the topic on inventory is that it's low <laughs> uh, all over all over the United States, especially here in Las Vegas. Um, Vegas has the lowest inventory in recorded history. Um, wow. And so I've been, I've been through three super hot sellers markets here in Las Vegas. Um, this one by far has been the most, um, it, it's been very difficult. Um, because of the low inventory. Typically right. in the past, when we've had low inventory uh, markets where it's been a hot seller's market, at least we've had homes to show. At least we had homes to, to work with. Um, and typically a, a seller's market is created by low inventory. So that's there's nothing different about that. But how low it is right now is just insane. So I know that the rest of the United States is going through the same thing. So you know, I wanted to come in here and maybe uh, give a few tips and tricks of you know, what I'm doing uh, to, to get my clients, uh, uh, offers accepted. Um, some of the strategies that I'm using with some of my clients, um, that are just, you know, they're banging their head up against the wall, trying to get offers accepted. And I know that agents across the nation are going through the same thing. So, right. you know, I wanted to come in here and talk about it a little bit. Awesome. Awesome. I love that, man. So, so what are some of the main things that you, you would think are causing the inventory shortage? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, obviously it's going to be different in different parts of the United States, but I think overall, number one, interest rates have been low for a long time. Now we've had low rates for a while. And so most people right now that are living in their homes have decent rates, you know, whether they bought a new home recently, or a lot of people, we, we just went through a huge refi boom where everybody refied into the new lower rates. So we've ah, got... Okay. Yeah. We've got a lot of people who are just happy with their payment, um, you know, and when you've got a hot seller's market and prices are going crazy like they are across the nation, yeah, you could go sell your house real quick, but where are you going to go? Where, 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 what are you going to go buy? Like it's, right. and here in Vegas, why would, you know, why would you sell your house knowing that you're going to have to go out and write 30 offers to get one accepted? I mean, it's, I think that's a biggie. Um, right. Another another one's COVID. I think um, people have been kind of afraid 
um, to, you know, basically they're like turtles in their shells, right? Like, let's right. just bunker down. I'm happy with my payment. I'm safe in my house. Like I'm not going anywhere, but I'm, <laughs> right. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping now that, uh, you know, now we've been able to take our masks off a little bit more. Um, right. and we're not quite a hundred percent yet, but I'm starting to see people open up and coming out and, you know, um, we're starting to see a little bit of uptick in inventory here in Vegas, which is a good sign. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think those, those are the two biggest reasons I think. Okay. Gotcha, man. Gotcha. So yeah. So let's, let's dive into some of the strategies then that yeah. you've been using some of the things that you've, that you've used over the last little bit to get offers accepted, all the tips that you kind of have. Yeah. So on my Vegas real property, Instagram uh, page, I've, I've done a few videos about this. Um, as a buyer's agent, when you're out writing offers, you've got to understand who your competition is. Um, number one, we're all fighting against all cash offers. There's a lot of cash out in the market right now. Uh, I think about 30% of 30, 40% of our sales right now in Las Vegas are all cash, which is insane. Um, so when you are using financing to purchase a home, um, and when a seller's looking at two offers and both of them are the same price, one's cash and one's financed, who are they going to go with? They're going to go with the cash because there's, there's no appraisal. There's no bank you have to deal with. No one's got to get loan docs to title. They can, a cash can close quick. Um, You know, it's just, there's a lot of benefits to cash. So I instruct my agents and on the videos I've done, you know, how how do you, how do you compete against an all cash offer uh, when, when you have a financed offer? So the biggest way is you're waiving your, finance your appraisal contingency um and so you and there's a lot of people that say well god i don't want to waive my appraisal contingency what if what if it appraises so low and i don't have the cash to cover it totally understand that because in this market everybody's having to offer over list over value to try to get their offers accepted so i understand them you know being apprehensive on god I, i i just don't have enough cash to do that because the bank's only going to lend on appraised value, right? Anything above the appraised value, if you've waived your appraisal contingency, you got to come out of pocket for. So a lot of people don't realize that you can still keep your appraisal contingency intact and offer the buyer, I mean, offer the seller an amount of money above a low appraisal, right? So your, your appraisal contingency is still intact but in your offer, you can actually write in the additional terms. You can say, hey, Mr. Seller, I'm going to offer you X amount of dollars and I'm going to guarantee $10,000 above a low appraisal, right? Uh, so, okay, I see. Yeah, so I mean, if, it, if yeah. it appraises for 20000 low, you're only on the hook for ten, not right. not the full twenty. But there's a caveat to that too. The seller is not required because if it, if it appraises 20000 low, and you've agreed to pay 10,000 above, there's still a $10,000 shortfall, right? The right. seller's not required to drop down that 10 grand. So the deal still could unravel and fall apart, right. but at least you've done your best to try to compete with the cash offer. Um, the best way to do it is just waive your appraisal contingency altogether. Uh, that's that's the only true way to, to really go up against the cash offer. Um, so, some other tricks you can do is, offer to pay 
some of the seller's uh, closing costs, uh, transfer taxes, HOA transfer fees, uh, title and escrow fees, all that stuff you can pay as the buyer on behalf of the seller. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the biggest thing is the appraisal, you know, that's, that's the biggest trick. Um, the second thing I really wanted to talk about today is a new strategy that I'm using, um, that has to do with, uh, renovating homes. So in the, I got my license originally in 2002 to buy, renovate and flip homes. That's all I did. I wasn't trying to be a, my background's in contracting. So I really wasn't trying to be a general real estate practitioner. I, um, I wanted to buy homes and renovate them and flip them. And that's what I did from 2002 to 2008. Um, and so, you know, fast forward to today, me and my partner, uh, we were thinking, God, what, I mean, all these buyers are having a really hard time finding what they want at the price that they want. And when they do find something they love, they're getting beat out by all these cash. You know, there's 20 offers on every house here in Las Vegas. It's insane. Right. Um, so how do we, how do, how do we overcome that? So what I've started telling our clients is, Hey, maybe you need to find that house that needs a lot of work. Right. Um, maybe it's, you know, it's not turnkey. It, it needs carpet. It needs countertops. It needs new cabinets. It needs paint. It needs, you know, right. but if you, if you like the neighborhood and you love the floor plan, why don't we buy it at a, obviously a reduced amount? Usually right. homes that need a lot of work like that don't sell for full price anyway. Um, and you know, dump some money into it, make it your own. And then you're, you're with that. You, you end up with the house that you love. It's going right. to take a little extra work, obviously, but and some um, patience, some patience. Yeah. 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 And obviously not everybody knows how to do that stuff. So having a realtor that understands how that whole process works helps. Right. Um, another thing that I would uh, caution agents when they're using that strategy is you really got to make sure that after your, you have the purchase amount plus the amount that they want to put into the property, you want to make sure that they're not going way too deep over their heads as far as value that they'll never have any equity in the property. Um, we, we really do try to make sure that we're purchasing at a low enough amount that allows them the room to put the money into it and then still have equity in the home. Um, still have equity, right. Instead yeah, of over you got to be careful. Yeah. yeah. I, I okay. see a lot of people overpaying for flips. <laughs> um, you know, so right. when, when you're flipping homes for profit, you make your money the day you close on the house. It's all, right. it's all in the purchase price. That's it. Right. Um, and if you purchase too high and then you still have to renovate it, pay closing costs. So like, you know, a lot of these guys get themselves in trouble. Um, so you gotta be careful. Right. Right. And that's, and that's coming from you, man. You've, you've flipped and you've successfully flipped over 70 homes. Yeah. So that's excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. so would you, would you recommend then for, you know, for any agents that are watching right now, like if they may be in a position where, they're a newer agent or a position where they run a team like yourself. Do those strategies ring true for both? Like, would you say that either, either one of those two people could use those strategies? Oh, or do you 100%. feel as though? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously the newer agents, um, if you've never flipped homes before, if you, I mean, I just think anybody that is, and I'm talking about newer agents, agents that are right. new in the business, right. there's nothing better than having a good, strong mentor. Um, 
having somebody that can show them the ropes and, and go over this stuff with them. Cause it can get real heavy. Um, and, right. and you can, you can get your clients in trouble and, and there's nothing, you know, trust me, the worst thing you could have is a, is a pissed off client that, you know, ends up with a home that, you know, they don't have any equity in for five years because you overpaid for it. Um, right. you know, right. you gotta be careful, but, um, yeah, I mean, new agents, I, you know, the biggest thing I can say is get a mentor, um, get yourself aligned with a team that, um, you know, actually will train you. Um, and I think that's a big, that's something that new agents should, you know, if they're thinking about joining a team, I would really do the research on the training that that team provides. To me, that's, right. you know, yeah. a lot of agents get involved with teams because they provide leads or, you know, they, right. they, you know, any, any team's going to provide leads. Like you really got to get a, a team member that's willing to train you. That's willing to share all their tips and tricks. Like I give it all away to my team. I, I don't, I don't, there's nothing hidden. Like I'm an open door. I share it to everybody. Um, right. And that, that's what you need. And that, that's what it should be. That's the way it should be. It should be a trickle down effect yeah. right, for, for whoever your mentor is. Now I'm curious to know, like, who are some of your mentors? When you got started, when you were in the, when you were first in the game, like what, who were some of yours? Wow. Um, I, I really did learn a lot on my own. Uh, I had a lot of trial and error. Right. Um, yeah. When we were first flipping homes, man, it, 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 it was tough. Um, my first broker, uh, Michael Hutchings from uh, Meridius Realty Group was, was big on, on helping me in the business side of things. Um, he was also a home developer. Um, and he built homes. He owned a, he owned a uh, real estate company, but he also, oh, he was a developer. He built custom homes. So, you know, got, obviously got some help from him. Um, he, uh, and, and, but I'll be honest, like a lot of it was trial and error, had to make a lot of mistakes, had to feel the pain of fail forward. Oh my God. (laughs) Imperfect action. Imperfect action. Yeah. Well, I always say the biggest, the best teacher in the world is pain. There, there's, there's nothing else that teaches you better than, you know, selling a house for, you know, you lose 50 grand or you lose 25 grand or, you know, you, you buy a home thinking it's only going to cost 20,000 to renovate. It ends up costing you 50,000 because you, Jeez. you know, you, you, you right. learn to through the, through the errors and through the mistakes, you really start learning what to look for in, in flipping homes. Um, there's just a lot of mistakes. So yeah, I definitely, you know, um, I'm trying to think back I mean, that was 20 years ago. Um, you're a seasoned vet now, my man. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I, I, there was uh, God, I'm trying to think there was a builder here in town who, when I was a contractor, I used to do a lot of work for, um, and I can't remember his name. Sorry, I'm having a blank, but uh, Dude, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. No, there was a builder here in town that that really got me into where I wanted to start flipping homes and got my real right. estate license. And I started an investment company. We were getting right. in. Um, it was called Vanquish Investments, which I named that after the car, the Aston Martin Vanquish. Vanquish. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So, yeah, that was, those were some fun times, man, during the boom, because that, you know, it started in 2002. And then the boom started in like 04, 05, we were just rocking, man. It was, it was awesome. And then in 08, that came to an end. Um, Learned a lot of hard lessons in 2008. 
I got caught with several homes that I couldn't sell. Um, it was pretty bad, but then that's where I learned how to, that's where I learned how to start selling general real estate. So I've been licensed for 19 years, but I really started selling and doing general real estate in 2008, 2009. That's right. And so, so that, that, that experience 2008, it forced a lot of people to either pivot or die. And it yeah. sounds oh, like yeah. you're the type of type of person who pivoted. You pivoted. Oh, yeah. You found I've, a way. I've, I've pivoted a lot. Yeah. <laughs> cool, life. man. I, I really like that. So, so let me ask you this then, like there might be some, some, some agents on here who don't have contracting experience, who don't have that kind of experience, who may not have the sort of acumen and results that you've had over your long, yeah. like, near two decade long career. So my question for you then is, um, you know, what are some major things to kind of look for if we're talking about, cause, cause you've given the, the clear tips on actually getting offers accepted, some of the strategies with that, that anyone can use. But what I want to dive a little bit deeper in is, you know, what are some of the main, if you can give me three, three of the main things that, a, that an agent could really focus on like learning that would increase a house's value for the person that like, you know, that they're for their, for their buyer. You know what I mean? That, that would also help them renovate the house to make it nicer for them, but would also in turn raise the house's value. You're talking about on the buyer, on the buyer side. Yes, exactly. So on the buyer side. Yeah. I mean, you know, number one, if you don't have any contracting experience, you can align yourself with a contractor. Um, maybe, maybe do some, uh, interviews, talk with some guys that do like home renovation projects. Um, there's a lot of handymen out there that know how to do renovation projects. Um, but you know, I, I would talk to a few contractors and, and try to, you know, maybe align yourself with one that you feel comfortable with. Um, go ask your broker. I'm sure your broker knows a few guys that do renovation projects. You know, you can, as an agent, you can find somebody, um, that, that would be number one. Number two. Um, so three things in a house. First thing. Obviously the biggie is uh, two, two of them are, are flooring and paint. Flooring and paint go a long way. A new, new coat of paint, some new trim, some flooring, you know, obviously that, that always going to increase the home's value right away. Um, third thing I would probably say you got to focus on would be the kitchen. Um, the two biggest best rooms in the house that people focus on are the kitchen and the master bath. Those, those are the two biggies, right. you know, um, I'm, I'm big also a little tip. Um, I, I'm big on making the garage look really super clean, epoxy, the floors, paint the garage, make it clean. Cause that's what the guys look at. Right. right. The, the, yeah. the guy wants to know, Hey, how's my, if, if the garage is clean and it looks nice, dude, yeah. that goes a long way for the guy. And then okay. if you get the kitchen and the master bath looking nice and clean, the girls love that. Right. So right. You're, okay. you're, you're hitting yeah. on their emotions. Um, and you know, flipping 70 homes, I think the biggest thing that I, I'm sorry, I know you asked for three, I'm giving you a little more than three. That's fine, um, man. That's I'm, I'm cool with that. The biggest thing that I learned and people always are like, wow, is curb appeal. Right. Um, Definitely. A lot of flippers put a lot of money into their house, but then like the landscape in the front yard looks dead. You know, to yeah. me, yeah, that's craziness. That's craziness. And let me tell you, 
a buyer, when they pull up to the house, makes their mind up whether they're going to buy that house before they even walk in the house. Right. So it's very psychological. you got to have good enough curb appeal that when they first pull up, they're like, oh, yeah, I like this house. Yeah, I, I like this house. This is great. A good feeling, a good feeling. It's the first yeah. impression, basically, of the house. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you got to put some budget into the curb appeal of the house, especially in the front yard. Right. You can you can have right. a backyard that's just you clean it. You don't really have to add much to it. If you do, great. But I'm just saying, put if you have a small budget for the landscaping, put it in the front yard. Make the front yard look very appealing. Um, right. Because if a buyer walks up and pulls up in front of your yard and you haven't done anything to it and it's dead and it's ugly, they're going to go, dude, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. And before they even walk into the house, right. They have a negative mindset, you know? Um, And so you're a big, you're a big teacher of uh, positive mindset, having a, you know, it's huge in, in, in real estate. It's huge. Um, You can get away with a lot of issues inside the house. If, they've already made up their mind that they love it. The opposite works. You could have the most beautiful renovation inside the home. And if they pull up and hate it, they're going to pick it apart. I don't care how nice it is. They're going to, they're going to make every excuse in the world why they don't like your renovation because they already hate the house. Already hate the house. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's I've proven that. Um, No doubt about it. So those are great. Dude, those are great. Those are great tips, man. I, I think that that's uh, it's really, really important. I, I think as well, like the tips that you provided, you know, a lot of people may not know, you know, like a, a lot of people may not know how to how to actually go about doing that. And so, you know, last question for you then is how would you recommend that an that an agent actually have that conversation with a buyer? Right. With a buyer. Um, how would you recommend to bring that conversation up? So I'm big on proper expectations, especially when I'm, um, you know, setting up the, the expectation when you first meet with them, the very first time you sit down with a new buyer and, you know, usually that's, you know, usually that's at like a Starbucks or they come into your house or, you know, wherever that's at, um, setting the proper expectation up front that, Hey, the chances of us going out and finding exactly what you want at the price that you want is going to be extremely difficult, like almost, almost impossible. It's just right. tough, right? I'm just, I warn people up front. It's, it's not going to be fun. It's going to, you know, you're going to end up wanting probably to kill me by the, by the end of the process. <laughs> I'm going right. to yeah. do my best to get it done for you. But let me just throw out this little suggestion. What if, what if, and I'll go out and show you all the properties that you want to look at, obviously. Right. Um, and, and if, and if we, if we do end up having a hard time uh, getting an offer accepted, then I want to throw a little suggestion at you. Maybe we go look at homes that need a little work, need a little TLC, the homes that people aren't trying to kill themselves over. Um, we buy that home at a good price where you can put some money into it. And then you end up with the, with the home you want. And I'm just, you know, if you say that up front, they may think you're crazy and they may tell you, I'm not renovating anything. I, I want turnkey. And you go, right. okay, that's fine. That's fine. Right. Let's go. Let's go find your turnkey home. Right. And then they spend three weeks out looking at 30 homes. They make right. 10 offers. None of them get accepted. 
Then they're like, oh, what was that idea you had? Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe we may need to do that. I mean, that's, that's how bad it is. It's, it's, it's tough out there. And they'll, you know, sometimes buyers, you know, especially if they're new and they don't know you and they don't trust you, um, they have to go through that process of feeling that pain before they trust you. And that's just the way it goes. Right. So, so, so your tip then would be proper expectations from the beginning of the relationship and yep. then, you know, if the time, if the time comes where you need to implement, implement that idea, you can, you have that as yeah. an option. And you've already opposed, laid, yeah, right. you've already laid the groundwork. Right. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Instead of kind of hitting them at the three or four week point being like, Hey, I also have this idea. They would have been like, Hey, why didn't you tell us this three, four weeks ago? You know what I mean? So set yeah. the expectations at the beginning. I really like that. I think that's, I think that's an excellent well, idea. And I'll tell you it's, you know, I, 95% of my business is, is referral. Um, and if the people didn't trust me and I wasn't referred to them, 30% of them will probably fire me because they think I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, you're, you're on your 10th offer. You haven't got a, an offer accepted. They really do start thinking maybe it's you, maybe, maybe you're the issue, you know? Um, but if you set the proper expectations up front and you tell them this is what's probably going to happen, they have a harder time firing you because you already told them that was going to happen. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's super important to lay that groundwork up front because you may not make it to week number three or four, especially if they don't know you and you've, this, this is like a first, you know, a buyer that you've never met before. They were not referred to you. You got them cause you were cold calling or something, man, right, right. by week three and you're on offer number 10, you, you may not make it that far, right. You know, yeah. before they replace you. Okay. Um, and and so 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 Daryl, we're coming up on our time here. The last question that I do want to ask you, though, and I think it's really important for any agent right now in this current in this current market. How do you deal with the mental side of things, the mindset portion of you know? Oh wow! Writing you know writing <laughs> some offers, not getting them accepted, having to freaking stay diligent even when there's not a ton of results. Like I, like. What what do you do to to stay on top of your mindset to stay positive and stay on top that's, of things? That's easy. Start at zero every morning. I, I forget awesome. everything that's happened up until that point. I forget everything that has happened up to that point. And every every morning I start at zero. It's a new scoreboard. It's a new day. Like let's go out and kill it. And if I have a tough day. The next day I started zero, you know, it's almost like the mindset of a, a goalie in, in, in hockey. Like right. if you keep remembering all the scores that you got scored on, you drive yourself crazy and you'll, you know, right. you'll be horrible. Right. You literally yeah. have to forget about it. You have to right. forget about all the bad things that have happened. So that's a big one for me. Um, and I teach all my agents, you know, you, you just got to get up every morning and you got to grind. It's not, it's not fun. It's not pretty. It's not easy. It's hard. Uh, you know, anybody that goes out and gets the real estate license thinking that they're going to make a million dollars and it's just going to rain down. It, it, that's just not the way it, it happens. Right. Um, <laughs> right. They, they have to know up front that it's a lot of work. It's a big grind. You know, in, in my, in my office, I've got three big pictures and it says hustle grind. And what's the third one? Um, God, can't remember the third one, but 
at the end of the day, it's, it's the grind. Oh, execution, hustle, grind, execution. Yeah. So, um, you know, that the, the big one for me is the grind, right? Every day start at zero grind every day, start at zero grind, start at zero grind. And it'll, it'll, it'll happen. You know, you just got to be consistent. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Daryl. I really do appreciate yeah. you coming on board this week. Everyone, uh, Daryl is going to be delivering topics like this, you know, from his expertise on a biweekly basis for the next three months. So we're going to have a lot more Daryl here on the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to, Thanks, uh, to come on board and share some yeah. of your, your expertise and insights. It's going to be great to have you on board in the future. Um, to any of to any of you watching this right now that are currently in this Facebook group, I'm considering actually making this Facebook group a public group so that more people can join in, more people can learn from the high performance agents that I have in my network, like Daryl, you know, like Jason, like all the other guys that I that I've had so far. And so that'll be that'll be an announcement here in the next 24 hours. But to everyone who's watching, I hope you got some amazing value, and we'll see you all in the next episode. Take Thanks, care. Sarge.